Hey, good morning, fam. Um, it seems like a very long time ago that uh, John approached me and asked me to speak as a part of his Living Well series that he was planning for April this year. And at the time he asked me, I thought, what on earth am I going to talk about as a part of that series? Uh, and I read a book that he gave me and nothing in particular really stirred my spirit or felt right for the thing that I felt like the Lord wanted me to bring. Uh, but then very early this year in January, I just really felt the Lord say to me to speak uh, at this time on what I had been learning about grief over the last year. And since making that decision and telling John and setting the date, I'm just very aware that a lot has actually happened in our church family. Uh, I'm aware that and acknowledge that a lot of you are actually facing the loss or the potential loss of significant loved ones in your life. But also in the past two weeks, uh, if you look about what we've lost um, as a country in terms of losing our freedom and our routines and our accessibility to loved ones, um, some of us may have lost our jobs, some of us may have lost the promise of adventures that we were planning later in the year. And so I just really wanted to begin today, I guess, by acknowledging that God's timing is always, always perfect, that he knew that our church family would be in this season when he asked me to share on this topic four months ago. Uh, but I also want to acknowledge that a lot of you who will be listening to this have experienced uh, a lot more significant grief than I have to date in my life. And my true hope uh, for today's message is that you guys will um, glean some encouragement. Uh, as a church family, you know, we meet together to strengthen um, both our individual relationships with Christ, but also to strengthen each other in our own walks. And my, and my hope is that by being vulnerable today um, and just opening up about what I've learned and been going through, that we will all be a bit more encouraged and a bit more strengthened. So I'm just going to launch into a bit of a prayer and we'll jump right into it. So God, I just really thank you that you are such a good father and that you um, encounter us wherever we are. We don't need to be in church today at 64 McLeafans Ave for you to encounter us. That in your word you give so many wonderful examples of encountering people in their homes and on the road and in the marketplace. And I just pray that um, this message that you've given me today that you will um, that you will meet people wherever they are. That you will have encounters um, with your SABC family, Father. That I will be a vessel for whatever it is that you wanted me to communicate so strongly today. And that we may all just be a bit closer to you and each other as a result of today's message. Uh, so, um, I am a very goal-orientated person, um, church family. I really enjoy having... Um, specific targets and specific things that I can measure success towards. Uh, and for me personally, uh, a goal that I had from 2011 all the way through to 2018 for the course of seven years was um, to save and to buy myself a house. And over that seven year period, even, uh, even in different job seasons and through study and through a lot of high hurdles and disappointments along the way, one of my major financial priorities was always to be saving for a house. You ask my family about how frugal I was. Uh, and in, at the end of 2018, uh, this dream really became realised. The um, Lord really uh, helped me find a, a real, really good place um, at a great price and his hand was over the whole house buying process. Uh, and so the, this dream and this goal that I had been working towards was really realised. 
Uh, but once my family had moved me in, uh, right after Christmas in 2018, um, and on my very, very first night in my house, um, as I stood in the living room in this realisation of, of my goal, I cried. Um, Sister Katie was, was with me, um, and as I just sat in my living room, this, I was just hit by the, the sudden change that had just occurred in my life. Um, and through the season of actually transitioning into living alone, um, when I've been used to living with at least five people around, um, I have really learnt, or I did really learn for the first time, that grief actually encompasses so much more than actually losing a significant other. Before, before this experience, I was totally of the mindset that grief applied to the loss of a person. And while it 100% does, it actually applies to all kinds of loss in our lives. And one of the, the first losses that really hit this point home for me was uh, transitioning out of living um, at home with my parents and living alone. And for me, the loss that I really experienced was around not seeing uh, my family every day. I have a very, very close relationship with all of my sisters. And so to not see them every day and be able to talk and to yarn and catch up um, was a really big adjustment for me. Um, and very, very unsettling uh, and very, very unexpected because it, it was something I had been working so hard towards. Uh, but then a couple of months after uh, moving um, and in this phase of grief and transitioning um, into a new living arrangement and experiencing that loss, um, I made the decision to put my dog down. Uh, now, I know a lot of you are cat people uh, and that is a-okay. Uh, but I am a total, total dog person and uh, Duchess uh, was my faithful friend for nearly 16 years um, and a very, very, very special dog. And so I finally made the decision uh, to put her down in March last year. Um, and for me, that was a significant loss as well. She had been uh, in many parts of my life, uh, my only friend uh, and... To, to lose her among, and to have my parental home environment change when I was already grieving that was really, really significant for me. Uh, and then, um, over the past couple of months, um, I've also been really exploring the side of grief, which is around a loss of dreams and expectations. Uh, when I have thought about my future historically, I have always imagined that certain people um, would be in my life in a certain capacity and that um, the plans that we'd made together um, you know would be could be things that I could count on and really look forward to in my life and over the past couple of months I've been really feeling that and realizing the truth that actually that may not necessarily happen um, and feeling a real heavy grief over that loss of, of that dream. Um, I want to be really clear I guess at this point that I'm not talking about dreams and visions that God gives us um, because God does give us dreams and visions that are in accordance with his will um, and I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that if they haven't been realized over a certain time that you should grieve it because that's not correct and it's not biblical but what I am saying is that sometimes we have expectations for our lives about what they're going to look like and 
um, and we expect that certain things are going to happen and sometimes they don't and when that doesn't happen um, we feel loss and so this was actually one of the things that I really felt strongly to talk into today around the loss of personal dreams and expectations uh, but I really um, also felt um, that the Lord asked me to recruit in a guest speaker uh, so I promise that this is all exceptionally legal uh, because we are in lockdown together. Uh, but I invited my uh, sister Katie to come in um, and do this. Ooh. Oh, we've had a camera crisis. Um, I Sorry, to Sam, it's me. <laughs> hey, Sam. I wanted to invite you in um, because um, not only is she my best friend, but she is also someone who has gone through a lot of grief and loss in her own life. And so... Welcome Hello. to the conversation. Thank you very much, Hannah. Pleasure to be here. Um, <laughs> what have you been doing since you left SABC and doing the notices for the good folk <laughs> who miss you? Um, I just want to start. Thanks, Mum. Mama Button's been behind the scenes with our wonderful yeah, camera. Yeah, On point. Um, I just want to start by saying how cool I think it is that the church is talking about a topic like this um, around mental health and grief and living life well because like just as everyone has physical health and that we all go through seasons where um, we can have the cold or the flu or COVID-19 relevant um, and we have to take extra precautions for our physical health. Um, we also go through seasons of life where our mental health is really susceptible to um, deteriorating or being impacted and I think grief is just one of those seasons where our um our mental health could really suffer but I just want to start by just encouraging you that grief is exactly that it's a season of life yeah. um it doesn't define you by the way that you feel in your season of grief is no way what you're going to feel for the rest of your life and even though you feel this deep sorrow and sadness and frustration and anger that that in no way needs to be a yep. calling over your life. Hundred. Um. So just be encouraged by that feeling, even if that's the only thing you take away and you hit pause right now. No, don't hit <laughs> pause don't, right now. Don't. Because Kay's going to share a story, <laughs> which is awesome. Um. Yeah, so I started my grief journey not knowing that I was grieving. Um, As I was, did I. Yes, yeah. I was, six, I was 16, long story short, um, you know, normal, healthy teenager, friends, family, hobbies. Thriving. Thriving. Um, and then all of a sudden one day I just got sick. I just couldn't get out of bed. And I just started this very long, well, it felt very long, but this journey through um, Crohn's disease and chronic fatigue. And it was really hard to say this and I encountered a lot of losses and the fact that my life went from being a normal 16 year old with you know friends school parties socializing you know the very superficial adults eye roll teenager stuff to lying you were hardly a normal teenager look hardly <laughs> hardly I did party <laughs> Anyway, anyway, <laughs> side point, I um I traded that all in to just sleep and try and get to the shower and 
take lots of meds and not eat a lot of food and get disappointment after disappointment when treatments didn't work and put my study like my whole future that I had planned for myself and very much like Anna and the fact that I had planned my life to a T and that all of a sudden came crashing down really um and my my mental health did suffer in that as well. I became quite depressed because I think I didn't realise that what I was doing was grief. I just was like, I'm sad and I'm angry at God because I can't blame anyone else. And I was just, I was quite a negative, sad, angry person that was sick. I was probably quite horrendous <laughs> to be around. Um, but by, <laughs> by past a few years, I started, I was still unwell, but... I had, I did toss up whether faith was for me or not in that because I was just so angry at God, but decided to stick with Christian faith and was youth leading um, at East Camp once in Auburn's Baptist youth days. Um, and they do these seminars each day, and one was by Matt and Belinda Stott, shameless plug for them and all of their resources and all of their programs. I think every young adult should go and do soul tour and go and look on their website for all of their resources. They <laughs> oh, even of course have, you do. They even have great resources on grief if you want to go there through them in your connect group. <laughs> Shameless plug, oh, they're amazing. <laughs> um, they, did, they did a course on grief and I just started um, my nursing training and honestly the thought that went through my head was, oh, I'm going to be dealing with death yeah. and people that are grieving I should go along to learn tips because my mind was so of the mindset that you only grieve death of a loved one or death of a pet, like of yep. a soul, pretty much, not just loss of any kind. And then I went and they said, Yeah, you do lose, like, you have to grieve every loss or change in your life that really impacts you. And like, my heart was just so turned, and I was just like, I walked out of that and I was like, God, like, why? why am I so con like convicted right now mm. and I Im he immediately just said because Judith or Katie don't know <laughs> you need to grieve the things that I haven't given you or that you have lost in order to see the things that I have given you and for your future and that just was a life-defining moment for me, really, because I was just so stuck in the mindset of, oh, this is my new normal life now. I'm going to... I hate that term. I hate that term. This is my new normal. I have to be sick for the rest of my life, and I have to be miserable, and I have to study nursing because I can't do what I wanted to do, and this is my life now. But Which actually, was occupational therapy. She wanted to go down to Dunedin. Yeah. Yeah. Like, all throughout her childhood, it yeah. was always, I'm going to go to Dunedin, yeah. I'm going to be a doctor, or I'm going to be an occupational therapist. I was that kid that was like, hi, she, my name is Katie, she, and I'm going to go to Dunedin and study one day. She had the plan from, like, five. I drew out hospitals that I was going to build, and I quizzed people on human body facts. Some of you might even remember that from me. Every um, car trip! Every car trip! I yeah. know, yeah. Anyway, you know how many letters of blood are in the body. All this to say that I, she had the plan, and then when she got sick, yeah, had to really reevaluate. And there was such a loss in your capacity. Yeah, disastrous trip to Dunedin that made awful. you realise that. And then awful. coming home and being like, my whole life plan is actually unachievable now. 
Yeah. Like, it was brutal. Yeah. And my, and like, I felt like nursing was just kind of a second option for me. But as I started to grieve, I just, I had enough space in my heart now for God to just break my heart for what broke his in a whole new way that I didn't expect and just gave me new passions and desires. And I now am a nurse. <laughs> I work at Hillmorden in forensics. And if you had told me that I would be a psych nurse working with yep. um, offenders... For forensics is where the jails send the mentally ill people that they don't have like, the capacity to... You know, that's that's one way to put it, but they, I... I put it just, in layman's terms. Anyway. <laughs> I, but I love my job. I'm so passionate about it. And I, um, yeah, God just really broke my heart for the people that are offenders, but also, like, have the stigmatised of the stigmatised, the darkest of the darkest of places where people are distressed yeah. and, yeah... We're cutting a long story short, but yeah, that's kind of my journey through grief, I guess. In a nutshell. In a complete nutshell. I could probably talk about it for hours, but I do not want to bore you in your lounge room. But yeah, <laughs> but no, like I think from an older sister's point of view, like watching Katie, who was like seriously thriving in life, like dream 16 year old in terms of her plans and her ambitions and super intelligent. <laughs> Um, and, um, and watching her, like, go from that state to, um, not being able to do anything and, like, losing, losing drama and being able to do productions and yeah. going through all these crazy diets where she couldn't eat for three months. Three months, yeah. Three months. Like, yeah. So I guess our real... <laughs> Not that I'm going to cry. I came prepared. I, <laughs> um, I guess what we both really had on our heart was to just to share our journeys with you um, and how we've realised that grief encompasses so much more um, mm. than just losing a person. Losing a person is so significant and we don't discredit that. But gosh, like loss and grief comes in so many different forms. Um and it has the power to really um, hold you back from your future and your potential as well. Um, I think, because I felt, I mean, I kind of just already just talked about that. Like, I felt like this was my life. You know, I'm sick. This is it for me, you know. Yeah. But actually, as I had grieved the loss of a healthy body and the loss of what I wanted to do and like the dream of Dunedin and the loss of hobbies and the loss of friends and as I went through all of that I just realized that there's so much more to life and that grief is actually quite inevitable like a hundred percent inevitable it's your it's not the way that God intended life he intended our life to be eternal and that there would be no loss but unfortunately that's not what happened but, um, <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, it's inevitable and it has the potential to set you back, but it really doesn't have to. If you no. live with those, if you stew on them and you give your tough time to acknowledge the sadness and the hurt and the loss and really write it out and either cry with God or journal it or just 
be with those terrible, unbearable emotions that we all hate to be with, it has such power for freedom. Yeah, but you have to be willing to to deal with it, to identify loss, mm. um, and to be willing to grieve, not to run from grief, um, mm. not to run from the pain, not to shut it away, or um, just not think about things that you're facing. Like, that isn't healthy or good for you in either the short or the long term. Nothing is achieved for your overall well-being yeah. if you don't deal with how you're feeling and the losses as they come. And so I guess our, yeah, our real heart is just to, to have a yarn, um, to share our stories, and just that something today really kind of speaks to you. So we thought we'd start... Um, but with our testimonies, but also yeah, so um, we've already done that. But like with regards to, um, we just wanted to do a little some 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 fun facts for want of a better word, um, about grief. Uh, so the first one, obviously, or hopefully you've picked up from, like from the theme of what we've been saying is that grief can encompass so much more, um, than just the loss of a significant person. It is the terms of loss or significant change that is significant to you. Yeah. Um, and you grieve what you place significance on. I think, yeah. like, for me, I, like, I know that you really helped me with this, but, like, me actually still feeling really, really upset about that just a year on, like, and still crying about that, like, that for me, like, I'd be, I, no, like, I would be like, oh, I feel bad because I'm still really getting upset over a dog, like, a year ago. And sometimes you don't understand that, but... Katie, help me understand that actually you, what you place significance on is what you grieve. And so for me, that just was a friend. She wasn't just a dog. Um, and that's why. She was I, a family member. Like she, she was a companion. And we're filming in a place. In a very vulnerable spot for Anna because Duchess used to sit like right here. Oh, Mama's back. Mum's going to turn the camera. Duchess used to sit in that spot and when Anna studied in here, because this is Anna's old room, are <laughs> you going to be able to film? <laughs> oh, oh, good. It's all good. Mum's trying to get techno. Um, all this and so some of you might just be like, Anna, oh my gosh, I have lost so much more than a dog in my life. That's ridiculous. But that's what was significant to Anna. And like... Family also so yeah. important for Anna and the fact that she couldn't see everyone every day. You might be like, oh my gosh, I couldn't wait to leave home at yeah. 17. And Anna left at 26 and still 26. struggled. 26, 27. How old am I now? 28. You're 28. Yeah, 26. And you, you know, but it, it, she placed a lot of value on that. And I think for me, why I didn't know I had to grieve was because I didn't put a lot of value on my health I was a 16 year old and yes I'd had asthma and colds and xyz but I'd never placed a lot of significance on my health yeah. really yeah and, and no one really does until you get sick until you lose <laughs> it. until you lose it yeah. um, <laughs> but, um but and even like with regards to both of us like the loss of dreams like, yeah you know seeing your future one way or imagining your future one way and coming, like, for Katie, like, losing that dream of going to Dunedin and and not being able to study what she had always wanted to study and mm -hmm. have to reevaluate her entire life, really. Um, like, that, the loss of that dream for her was significant. And for me, at the moment, the, the facing a future where 
certain things that I had counted on and been really looking forward to aren't necessarily certain anymore. And so, yeah, loss can apply to so many things. What you place significance on, what you value and what you love is what um, you will grieve. And so for some of you at the moment, you may be absolutely like just really struggling with like the loss of, of routine. Or, or freedom. Um, or like accessibility to loved ones. You may be really struggling with the fact you can't actually go out. You may be really missing the Sunday fellowship with, with people. And, and that is 100% okay because that's what you place significance on. Um, so that is one thing that we just really both wanted to just hammer home today is that loss is, encompasses so many things. And it's whatever is significant to you that matters. Um, the second one we really wanted to just kind of talk about was that um, grief is like outside of time yeah that like time oh I can't remember my little catchphrase but <laughs> time doesn't heal grief um I think we kind of alluded to it before when you know that feeling unbearable feelings of grief that come up when you are grieving of that deep sadness and sorrow and that we like to run away from it and that time heals um but it really doesn't. Grief can carry, can be with you for years. It could be for decades. You could be in your 50s right now and you made one, like a loss of a dream when you were 20 and it's still with you today. Um, if you haven't grieved it, and that might be holding some sort of resentment over your career or it can manifest in so many different ways. That's just one example. Yeah. Um, but when you actually devote yourself some time to actually sitting with and acknowledging these unbearable feelings and giving them to God and journaling or doing whatever you need to do. Um, like going through the timeline of grief helps, but time doesn't heal grief. No, no. Waiting and waiting for the feeling to go away is not a, a good approach. No. Um, and also, like for me, I think that um, you know, as Christians and as a as a family, like we are super awesome at responding to people when we know that grief has first hit them. So, like mm -hmm. when someone loses someone significant, um, and they in that first week and they're going through that whole process, you know, one of the wonderful things about having a church family is that we can pretty much guarantee that our connect group will feed us and pray for us and come to the funeral. And I love that about church life, that that is just so much a part of being in a family. But I think that sometimes we just, like, our brain is like, grief is, we help in the first week and we've got, like, the six-week kind of time frame in our mind. Mm. Um, so we're, caught, we're quick to action at the beginning. But actually, grief is a journey. It requires ongoing investment and ongoing need and... So, yeah, just breaking that, really, that it's not just an emotion that you feel one week and, and goes away, and nor for the people that are around you that are experiencing grief, you know, it's not going to be for them either. Like, grief, you, like, yeah, it is outside of time, and it's actually okay to grieve things for years. And, the, yeah, there's no time limit on grief yeah. either. Some people are like, oh, shouldn't Anna dog died a year to go? She should be over it by now. Go get a new one. That'll go, help. Yeah, go, go and get a new one, or whatever. Um, but there's actually no time limit to grief. It's done when you feel like the, it's not at the forefront of your mind, but it's just at the back and it's not invading all of your internal mind all the time. Yeah. Um, that's and progress. That, that's how you can know that there's progress, but uh, there's no time 
limit to that really yeah it's okay um and then the and the third thing that i guess we really wanted to kind of really speak into just as a fact about grief was really that it can really hit you in different contexts so you so for example um i know that like on new year's day um i like we were just walking down the beach as a family as we do we do every new year's day walking down the beach as a family and there was a dog that looked like that just on the beach um and yeah and it's just like oh you know i haven't been to the beach with my dog in a year so that was like a different context um whereas like i know that mum for example um when vicky was getting married our mum really missed her mum like it was a con a context that mm -hmm. really um, really actually brought out the fact that she really missed her mum and I know that when Abby has sewing questions mum's always like oh my mum would be so much better at that so you know there are different contexts in life and different things that will happen that will remind you of the grief that you've been through or are going through and will trigger that that emotion and that's okay as yeah. well like if you lost a loved one decades ago and things still remind you of them it doesn't mean no. that you haven't forgotten about them or that you haven't grieved properly or yeah. anything it just meant because it's still in the background those little contexts are those things that remind you of the background of grief and like for me I guess when I wasn't eating for like months yes. you know you just don't realise how social food is, especially in the button farmer. Mama loves to put on Mama loves a spread of roast chicken mm. or just whatever's in the thing. So <laughs> I would sometimes just have this, like, oh, yeah. I, this, this is another context that I have to grieve and just acknowledge, okay, I'm not going to participate in this meal. I'm going to be sipping the insure. Even though mum was just desperate for you to eat something. <laughs> but I'm going to length. But um, yeah. but then that's okay. Yeah. But yeah. even like when like you'd meet up with friends for a coffee, yeah. or that you'd go out for dinner with friends. Yeah. And I like, and, and you've got you yeah you'd have to sit there and watch them eat in a social situation. Yeah. Like, brutal. Brutal, but Necessary. I but I I I <laughs> yeah. grieved it instead of being stewing on how sucky my life was i was like you know what this is a loss of my in my life right now i cannot enjoy this meal with my friends but you know what i can enjoy their fellowship and i can enjoy their company and i'm going to accept that loss that i cannot enjoy the food but i'm going to press into the hope that one day i will be able to eat food one yes. one of my goals one year was to eat christmas lunch and i did and I to eat you. a Bacon Brothers burger. That was a goal for that another year too. Goal. Bacon Brothers burger. And But now I eat anything I want all the time. It's not even, a, it's not even anything that I have to. Apples. Yeah, but that's a side issue. Yeah. We're really... We've made significant progress. We've made significant progress. So, yeah. that's okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so to, to sum up really, like, it's grief is um, what you grieve what is significant to you um grief is outside of time um it has no time limit or no time constrictions it's actually okay to let yourself go on your own individual journey that's actually what you're designed to do um and also you grieve in different contexts and that sometimes can mean that you're grieving things continually like it's just all about managing the loss really yeah um yeah and i guess just to add something like if you know someone that is grieving like a lot and you're just like 
don't know what to do. Um, Jesus took his disciples into the Garden of Gethsemane with him, and he just wept, and they fell asleep. But like at least, like at least, just bring people along. It's okay to just be there with them as they do their grief journey. You don't have to say the right thing or do the right thing or tiptoe around them. Just being a presence is really helpful and um, give them permission to talk about it if they want to as well. Just being like, how are you going with your grief journey? You know, do you want to talk about anything? You don't need to say anything wise. They might just need an ear to yeah. talk to about the thing that's been really hitting them home. Yeah. Like... They might have cleared out a wardrobe or they might have gone through family photos or they might have, I don't know, done something else. But just sit and be an open ear if they need it because mm. Jesus needed friends when he was grieving. And identify that in your own life too. Like, don't just be that for, for others, which is 100% what we encourage in our Christian family, but also actively seek to identify people in your own life mm. um, who can help you. Um, through your grief grief journey, who you know will touch base and and um and and be there for you, like because yeah, grief is not. I I genuinely don't believe that we we meant to grieve alone. Um, we are yeah. so you know it is important to to have people around you. Um, so how are we going for time? Three minutes. All right. Um, we've got have an empty time. We, yeah, we do. We've got. So what we're going to do is we've. <laughs> Um, we've just got a couple of extra things that we both want to share just in terms of what we've learned about God and really leaned into with regards to truths about him that we've learned in our own journeys over the past couple of years. And so um, I encourage you, if you have a craving for a nice cup of tea or coffee, uh, push pause right now and come back. Uh, we've got about 15 minutes to go. Uh, and we, Yeah, so push pause if you want a break or keep going because it's just going to keep rolling. Water okay. Love that. It's okay. Yeah, go for it. Um, so... Um, I will really kind of start us off. So I guess for me, the the first thing or the first truth that I have learned about God um, as I have been learning about grief, and I so accept that I am by no means an expert, but one of the things that I have learned about God um, just in my season of learning about it and going through grief really for the first time is that God is so worthy of our trust. Uh, I loved what Mike Collins shared in his email last week um, regarding his worship set. And he talked about how, you know, he regularly tells God that he trusts him. But in the past week, with regards to everything that had been going on with Corona, he'd been finding it like a bit harder or questioning whether or not he actually meant that when he said it. And I think a lot of the time, like definitely me, like when we're angry and hurting and facing loss uh, and just upset really with how life is going, it can be really easy to, to look up to God and be like, what are you doing? Like, have you actually forgotten about me? Like, I genuinely can't handle this kind of pain. Yeah. Like, you know, it's I'm like really, really struggling. And, to, and I feel like, the the devil we so when we grieve it's it's vulnerable ground for doubt mm. and especially if we don't feel God's presence and we don't feel him answering our prayers and the enemy uses and loves to sow doubt into our lives in these seasons so he loves 
to to just sow seeds of doubt and God's forgotten about you and he's not there and his word says he comforts but can you feel his peace and mm. just these lies that he just sows into our mind that stir doubt and he seeks actively to create distance between us and God when in actual fact we should be running to him and um, I just wanted to um, really kind of share um, from Job this morning um, and um, and you know many of you will be so familiar with, with Job and about like what he went through and the depths of his despair and I just can't even imagine um, what just yeah um, and just this book is essentially a man who has no idea why why it's happening is happening and lamenting before the Lord but sticking strong in his faith and in his foundation and but in this chapter um and verse in, in chapter 38 essentially Job's gotten to the point and, and he's like you know where are you what is going on he is earnestly seeking God and God comes and and um I'm just going to read from Job 38 he says then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and he said who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? Upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut the sea with doors when it burst forth? And issued from the womb. Um, when I made the clouds its garment. And thick darkness its swaddling band. When I fixed my limit for it. And set bars and doors. Um, when I said this far you may come. But no further. And here your power waves must stop. And essentially God for the next two chapters. Just talks powerfully. And with authority to Job. About how he has created everything. That everything is in him. And through him. That he controls the skies. And the oceans. And the land. And when beasts are born. And when goats are born. And he lists a lot of animals. That he knows all the intricate timings of. Mm. And what is so significant about the scripture I think. And what I guess I wanted to encourage us with today. And I felt to share. Is that you know God didn't explain himself to Job. He so could have. I mean, you look at what the context of Job's suffering actually was and that actually it was um, a, a challenge really between God and Satan. Um, and God didn't explain that to Job from the whirlwind. He simply reminded Job of who he was, who, God, who he was as God and who Job was as a human. And I think that so often we can... Um, our anger and our hurt and um, over, over our sense of loss causes us to really question her and we demand answers. Um, but what I think is just quite profound about this is that God doesn't necessarily have to answer or explain himself, but also that we serve the God who not only created the heavens and controls the seas and know when every, knows when every bird is born and dies and every goat and beast is born and dies. Mm. Um, that same God is the one who loves us and who thinks that we're worth dying for and he is worthy of our trust because of that. Mm. Um, and Job's response is beautiful. Like when he just hears this profound, like authoritative 
Like, this is who I am. This is who I, you're serving. Um, Job says, then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have added what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said I will question you and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. By now my eyes see you. Therefore I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes. He repents for questioning God. Um, and so I just really felt strongly um, to encourage us today that the enemy would have us distance ourselves and run from God in our doubt and our distress. Mm. Um, but gosh, like we serve the God who, where everything is in him and through him and for him and he is for us and he loves us. And even when we do not understand what is going on, even when we do not understand it, mm. we don't necessarily have to because the person who does loves us and we just actively need to come before him and surrender and say, God, I don't understand, but I trust you because I know that you love me and I know that you are for me and that you think I'm worth diving for and your plans are good. Mm. Um, I think also what I take from that is that God knows the broader context of our life. So true. Like, I think when we're going through grief, we can become very tunnel-visioned into Yesterday was awful and I felt lost. Today I was awful and I feel lost and tomorrow is going to be awful and I will feel lost. It's that hopelessness that There's such saying. hopelessness yeah. in the season of grief. Yeah. And But God knows the broader context of our life. Like he literally knows from birth to death. Yeah. And like for me, my worst time of health was five years. And those five years felt long. They felt very long and very disappointing and very like, ugh. But it's actually five years out of 23 that I've lived now and probably... 80. We're declaring 80. We're declaring 80. 85. Life expectancy with Crohn's will not matter. So like... Yeah. So five years actually in the grand scheme, God's just like, man, if you only knew the broader context of your life, that yes, this is it's, it's a season. Yep. You know, and just have trust in me that it is only a season. And I haven't forgotten you. And I haven't forgotten you. And there's yeah. a beautiful scripture around, like, you are the God that sees me. Mm. Like, he so does. So, yeah, I just encourage family, like, seek to earnestly trust and to surrender. Um, and, and that even though we don't understand everything all the time, we serve the one who does. Mm. So... Um, and leading into that, I also really felt um, that as well as God being worthy of our trust, God is so worthy of our praise and our worship all the time, no matter what we are going through. Um, I was listening to um, uh, an interview with Brooke Fraser and her husband um, recently, and I was just so profoundly struck by um, by a truth that he said that even though, even just no matter what we're going through in life, um, no matter what loss or suffering we may be facing, no matter what has happened to us in our past and what we are facing in our future, even if nothing good ever happens again, not that that's what God promises, but even if, you know, God is worthy of our praise anyway because he has given us life. Mm. Um, Jesus has saved us from death and broken the principalities of death, 
over us and given us life. And the fact that we have life now and we serve a God who loves us passionately um, is worthy of praise all the time, all the time. Uh, and I, again, wanting to return to Job, um, like in the, I'm going from the beginning, from the end, right back to the beginning. And this is in the context of Job has literally just had a series of messages, messengers come and tell him about different losses that he's just suffered from his family to his land, to his stock, to his wealth. Um, it has all hit him. And I just want to read, like just in the context of the final messenger coming and delivering the final news that his family had passed. Um, it says, then Job arose in chapter one. He tore his robe and he shaved his head and he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, naked I come from my mother's womb and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. And I just think that that is so powerful that Job after he had heard his news of all those losses that he just encountered, he prepared himself for mourning and then he fell on his knees and he worshipped God and he said, blessed be the name of the Lord. And through the New Testament, there is beautiful scripture about encouraging us to praise God continuously um, and to, to rejoice always and to be vigilant in thanksgiving. Mm. Um, and like, if you look at David, you know, in his deserts and his so many seasons of grief and of running away and having just so much, he was always, always worshipping. Um, Paul and Silas, when they were chained up in prison with shekels on their feet, um, in Acts, it talks about how um, they, um, they, yeah, they were shekeled and they were um, at midnight, at midnight, shekeled by their feet to the wall of the prison. They were praying and singing hymns at midnight and I just think they are just such beautiful examples of the fact that even though we may be going through loss um, and suffering and things are hard man we need to be worshipping God mm. all the time and seeking that and not just because he is worthy of it but also because when we worship and praise God it lifts us I truly mm. believe that it lifts us out of the, the midst the mist of our loss that can so circle and that the devil circles around us and seeks to keep us under, mm. um, sowing all that doubt. But when we consciously make an effort to praise and to worship God and to remember whose we are and who, what authority he has, it lifts um, us in spirit. Um, I so believe that. And yeah, I think, like, from personal experience, it's very difficult to have the mindset of praising all the time. I definitely did not have that mindset at the start. Like initially when I got sick, I was very beefy with the Lord. And like mum would drag me to church still every week and you'd sing, oh, happy day. And I'd be like, today is not a happy day. <laughs> this, this is all a load of nonsense. <laughs> Like, if I was going to be honest, I was just yeah, like, this yeah. is actually ridiculous. But, like, as I started my grief journey and I realised the power of positivity, like, even just thinking, okay, I might not, I might have lost all of this thing, but at least I have my family. Or, like, at least I can yeah. get out of the house today or at least 
like those little moments of gratitude and thanking God for like the littlest things can still bring a piercing of light into yeah. the darkest of places. Absolutely. And um, I've done both. I've been very negative with God and I've been very like trusting in God and I highly recommend the trusting. Yeah, and I think like, it, 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 is, like, it is so hard like when you get like, for me, when you get home and like you're upset and crying and you know not sleeping and it's yeah. just like because you know you're facing loss and you, you've had like a bad day and we all have bad, we days. All have bad days it is you it's know it life. is hard to 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 want to to worship but we are called to worship always oh okay right your points worship guys um uh, am i gonna have time yep go i'm just going go quick. very quickly God led me to um, the story of Mary and Martha when I was grieving um, and that the fact that both Mary and Martha had two different responses to the same grief and that both responses God meets us with where we're at. Yes, okay. um, so context, Lazarus has died, Jesus has come too late. He's like, oh yeah, I'll just wait two days before I go and let him be sick. Which I think actually it brought more power, but anyway, I don't have time for that. Um, so when Jesus arrived, he found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem. Many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them about their brother. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord... If you'd been there, my brother wouldn't have died. Yet even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. And I guess that just really affirms what Anna was saying about just Martha had this complete trust in God and just went to him for reassurance and that comfort and strength of my brother has died, but I know that you are good and that's good, really. Yeah. I won't, that's what I need. Yeah. I won't press on any more than that. But then there's yeah. Mary, who I probably relate way more to when I read this. I, think I was we like, all probably related it to Mary. Martha's just like the glory sister of the Mary Martha Jello. <laughs> um, but when Mary came to Jesus, <laughs> to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. Yes. They said the exact same thing to Jesus, but in completely different times, and yes. that is a-okay. <laughs> yes. When Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was angry in his spirit and deeply moved. Where have you put him, he asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. In my favourite verse of the Bible, Jesus, Jesus wept. And for me, that just shows that God grieved with us. Um, and that for me was just so powerful because I'd so had the mindset of God gave me this challenge of sickness and of loss and was looking up from high in the sky mm -hmm. and saying, let's see how this pans out. Let's strengthen Katie, yeah. you know? All and challenges are for good. Yeah, you yeah. make all things work, work together for good. for good. And yeah. I was just like, 
this is just way too much. But actually, when I read that, I was like, no, God is actually upset with me. Like, this was not the plan that he would have had if I, for eternal life, you know? Like, this isn't what he wanted and that he grieves with me and that he cares about me and that he loves me and he gets to my level and grieves with us. And I just think that's so powerful that God loved us so much that he became us in the form of Jesus and that Jesus bypassed every human emotion. He yep. experienced joy, he experienced miracles and happiness and full of life, but he also experienced temptation and loss and anger. Yep. And um, if we're called to be Christ-like, honeys, we've got to grieve as well then, you know? Yeah, so true. Um, and also in James 4, uh, MSG throwback to James 4 verse 8. Um, James 4 verse 8. Yeah. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts for double-minded people. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Your laughter must change to mourning and your joy to sorrow. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. And that for me, it's like you don't have to be your cleansed, perfect, happy, Sunday morning Christian with Best, God. Yeah. Um, you can really give him every emotion and that he will meet you and wherever you're at with your life. And he desires to do that with you. He would rather you talk to him than run from him. Yeah. yeah. So I think since we're running out of time, that's where I will end it. That yeah. God grieves with you and that it wasn't his intention to have loss in the world. And that he grieved over us. He as grieves soon as a he lot. ate that apple, he, does, he, he grieves quite heavily throughout the Bible. He God. does. Um, so yeah, you <laughs> do. Uh, yeah, so I guess, um, uh, yeah, I guess our real heart is that um, you've been encouraged and strengthened today and whatever kind of loss you're facing in your life. Um, two questions for you guys to consider. I know that a lot of you are watching this either from home um, or as connect groups, but two questions for you to consider. Um, me and Katie both want to encourage you to think about for yourself, um, to, at any point during our talk, like, did your spirit stir? Like, did you, did you feel um, a leap in the spirit or did you feel God kind of nudge you at any point during our talk that may indicate that you have some kind of loss to deal with. So we just wanted to kind of encourage you to, to think about this talk and think about actually was there something that kind of came to mind that maybe I do actually need to process. And then the second thing that we really wanted to encourage you to ask yourself is, you know, what do I need right now? If I am going through some kind of loss or facing some kind of grief, what do I need? You know, do I need to actually... Um, pick up the phone and talk to one of my friends um, about the kind of loss that I am facing if I need that or you know do I actually need to go and make a continual like a, a certain effort to spend five minutes every morning in worship with God um, so yeah really encourage you to think about as we wrap up you know what is it that God might be leading me towards grieving are there any losses in my life that I haven't identified or haven't been dealing with and also um, you know, what do I need to be able to deal with them? Um, so bless you guys. It's been awesome yarning with you. And we're sorry it took so long, but heck, we're passionate. So love yous.